Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Tander, Lowndes and Winkup take island wins. You know, you're just trying to be as close as you can to each other and I push my mirror back and Alex pushed his mirror back on each other and then we're battling trying to unhook the mirror so you can see each other and my mirror was folded back, I couldn't even see where Alex was so uh, I had to wait for the arrow to suck the mirror back and see if he was next to me or behind me. So, um, I suck my mirror back. Yeah, well, you've got, you got to get a Commodore, mate. They're much better. Courtney will miss Sydney. Uh, due to the injuries, the, uh, the doctors won't let, me, won't let me race. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insider. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Garth Tander won the final 60-60 race in V8 Supercars with an eventful Saturday which saw his car take the wind while James Courtney was involved in a heavy collision. Courtney will be sidelined for Sydney. Tander spoke about the mixed feelings in the garage. Yeah, really, really happy. Uh, great result for the team because um, obviously we've got a bit of work to do with the other car now. So, um, you know, we, we struggled early in the weekend, um, qualified well when we put greens on for the first time in qualifying and then, um, you know, to get the result like that today is uh, hopefully keep a smile up in the garage because... Um, James's car's pretty sick and certainly hope he's okay as well. While the last lap incident in the first leg, Mark Winterbottom and Craig Lowndes put the two title contenders further back in the rolling start pack for the second leg, it allowed Fabian Coulthard and Alex Davison to grab podiums. Fabians. Yeah, look, I was kind of a little bit weary, um, you know, after the antics in the first part and then I saw a little bit more in the second and, you know, it was a pretty action-packed race for, to say there was no points on offer in the first one and then the second, we just, you know, had a good battle with Alex. Um, his car was pretty wide in places. Uh, but we managed to get past cleanly, and, you know, we just uh, drove away from then on. But like next to me had a bit much of a gap to try and peg back in a couple of laps. <clears throat> Davison said his podium was heartening for his side of the garage and also his team's sponsors. Get on the podium, and, uh, you know, as I said, it's been a tough season not only for me, but... Uh, you know, for Charlie and all our sponsors and all that who want want success, so this is, so this is a great result to pay all those guys back for the year. And Lowndes and Wing Cup split wins on Sunday. The Red Bull team finishing one two in the final race of the weekend. It was nice to have uh, have, have a good car, race hard, um, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think uh, I think Sydney's going to be another another slog fest. I know. Uh, I know there's going to be plenty of other non-championship contenders uh, fast in Sydney as well, so it's going to be up to... Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the last race was... Uh, uh, we just didn't have the car speed, you're right. Uh, this morning's race, yeah, starting uh, eighth, I thought we were in sort of a bit of a disaster zone, but uh, uh, the way it uh, 
what it uh, part the season going into turn one. I think everyone had a, had an obligation, and we managed to get through all that. Mark Winterbottom's third place finish keeps him in the hunt for the championship, but he has his own thoughts on how it'll play out in Sydney. Um, you know, those both those guys are are uh, you know got to race each other because twenty points could go pretty easily. That's about what two spots I think you'd probably work it out two spots or something. So. Um, there has to be a point where they're going to start focusing on each other. There's, there's no doubt. And for me, I just go there trying to race. I'm 124 down, um, and just go hard. That's that's, you know, it's probably the least amount of pressure I've had going in there. And if Saturday works out to plan, then Sunday might be pressure. But um, uh, it's it's definitely there's a point where one of them has to beat the other, and that's uh, more pressure on them for sure. As mentioned before, James Courtney has confirmed that he'll not be racing in Sydney. An injury to his leg worse than first thought after his terrifying crash. Yesterday I went in and had full MRI all down the uh, right side of my or my right leg, just scanning, looking for all the, the soft tissue damage and also you know, checking out all the bones. So it, it came out with, uh, I have a undisplaced uh, tibia fracture. Um, so that's just the bottom bone of my leg has got a fracture in it. Um, it's, it's not all the way through. Um, so there's, there's a fracture two-thirds of the way across, and there's some internal damage to the bone. And also I've got third-degree uh, tears to my, my uh, the muscle up the top, the quad. So there's two sections of it. Both have got uh, third-degree tears in them. So, so really it's, um, it's quite painful, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, and it's good now to know what the, what the damage is. Nick Perkat will drive the number 22 in the final races of the season. Lee Holsworth had an eventful weekend, losing a wheel when the spindle broke at the hay shed. Uh, it was all looking pretty good, but we had the, the wheel come off. Um, it was no fault of the team, uh, just a spindle snapped off and um, took the wheel nut with it and it happened on one of the fastest points in the track too through the hay shed so it was a bit of a fun ride um, but yeah look it, it, there is a positive at the end of the day and that's that we uh, improved the car and we know what we did to fix it so if we ever had that problem again we know what to do. On Monday the lineup for the 2014 season will take shape as racing entitlement contract holders will have to nominate for the new season. This will confirm if Walkinshaw performance will move to four cars if Dick Johnson has plans for more than one car, and will Lucas Dumbrell Racing along with Triple F continue? And could the dude be making a return? James Small has confirmed that he'll be moving to the United States to work with Richard Childress Racing, the team that helped Dale Earnhardt Sr. win seven NASCAR championships. The engineer worked at Kelly Racing with David Reynolds before moving to FPR, this year, he transferred over to Frosty Winterbottom's car and helped him to a Bathurst victory. He will leave the team following the Sydney 500. This is now the third engineering departure announced by FPR, with Campbell Little moving to Dick Johnson Racing and Matthew Teco Nielsen returning to Walkinshaws next year. Carl Reidler has been announced as the CAM's driver development manager, taking over the role from Cam McConville. His role will be assisting in helping young drivers and young Australian talent reach the pinnacle of world motorsport. The next edition of VADX magazine will soon be available. Keep your eye out for that. The iPad edition is on MagShop and the Android users will find it at Magster. Hard copies will be in stores soon. On this week's White Flag Lap, Jason Bright talks about 201 race starts. But up next, after the break, the panel will look at Phillip Island, with Tom Wordsley and Peter Norton joining me. I hope you'll stay with us.
News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from National Radio News, it's Tom Worsley. Good evening, Tom. G'day, Craig and listeners. How are you going? I'm very well, as I'm sure is Peter Norton. Peter, great to have you back on the show. It's good to be back on. It's been a little while. Yes. <laughs> Guys, interesting that uh, we've seen the last 60-60 at Phillip Island, although the AZ will still be around for another year. Your thoughts, Tom, on the 60-60 format? Confusing, I think, is the only uh, only word. It, one thing it did prove is... Short races are a good thing. Splitting them, not so much. So I'm glad to see the end of 60-60s and the chequered flag in the middle never really made sense to me. Uh, I know we've spoken about this many times, but uh, I I think the concept was always going to be very risky. Um, But in saying that, there have been quite a few good races as a result of it. Peter, the interesting thing is that there have been situations, and particularly on the weekend, where they were action-packed, even though they uh, didn't mean much, particularly in the first 60. Uh, What's hilarious about a lot of the debate about the 60-60 format is that opinions were made a long time ago uh, with some of the earlier rounds during the year where the first heat really did seem pointless that um, uh, well, some teams joked around and actually brought out a bowl full of oranges uh, as it was a, a half-time break. Um, it was confusing and it just seemed all weird. Um, but at Phillip Island, it actually delivered the goods, didn't it? We had, um, uh, what, what I'm sure uh, Mark Winterbottom is regretting in a daring pass for the lead to take victory of something that didn't matter. Um, you know, there's so much drama and excitement that actually was delivered in Phillip Island but I think ultimately it's still just, it's, it seems almost unnatural for, for, for what they were trying to do. You know, let's have proper heats that build towards uh, a big winner for the weekend. That's my uh, view on these things. I'm not even a fan of the multi-race format uh, like Clipsal's going to be on the today um, because you end up having a pointless podium. Um, yes, you've got a race winner that gets some points, but it's just false theatre. Um, let's have something that builds across a weekend, something that is big exciting at the end. Tom, interestingly enough, we did see a terrible incident in the second 60-kilometre race between Alex Premer and James Courtney, and news coming out this week is that James will not be taking place in uh, Sydney. Yeah, that's right, um, and when this accident first happened, I, I thought it was going to be a, uh, 
a broken leg for sure, and uh, they came out and said that he was uh, it was just some soft tissue damage, but some uh, some further tests have shown that it is in fact a broken tibia, and he'll be replaced by Nick Perkat, which I think also uh, indicates a few things leading towards next year with the speculation of a, a fourth Walkinshaw car with with Nick Perkat in it. Oh, an interesting call there, Peter. A huge, huge crash, and everyone was just so glad to see both drivers able to walk away, although uh, Courtney was literally walking away on a broken leg. Uh, yes, uh, I think the series has a lot to be proud of in terms of the car development and the safety features and everything like that, because uh, I think in a, in a lesser car, it would have been uh, a much more serious incident, of course. Um, uh, and that poor car, it's had more hits than Elvis, um, but all over the last couple of uh, rounds. So uh, I think uh, Courtney was quoted as saying, that car is done. It's a, it's really is a throwaway job now, which is uh, uh, sad for the amount of uh, money and effort that goes into to building such things. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of what signal this gives us for uh, next year, it does signal that Percat is not on the outer at Walkinshaw Racing, as some people might have uh, speculated previously. Um, and, yeah, let's hope that they can put together the dollars and cents to go to four cars, and uh, they'll be quite a, an outfit, quite strong next year. Um, they're getting uh, all their ducks in a row for a really big 14. It's good. Tom? I think the... Uh there is one downside that we, we really did see in this incident, and uh, the intervention from race control, I think, was extremely poor. The fact that uh, a major accident had happened and the cars were had enough time to cross the start-finish line before the, the safety boards and flags were shown, and the fact that Courtney had, was out of the car, and it, it wasn't a, a quick jump out for him. He had to be aided by Alex Primar and I think that was a great uh, display of sportsmanship from the Frenchman and um, and just going back to something that Peter said about uh, you know, it, would, it would have been a lot worse in a in a lesser car. Even last year's car with the with the seating position uh, of last year's car further to, to, to the edge, I think uh, if it happened 12 months earlier it would have been a different story. Mm. It, it certainly was a lucky escape and we're all glad to see that uh, James suffered so little an injury but he certainly hasn't come out of it without suffering at all guys it, it does raise one question though about the design of the Philip Byland circuit because over the years we've seen quite a lot of incidents there where cars leave the track on the corner before and carry such speed and momentum uh, down the hill onto the grass um, and they come ploughing through the apex of that next corner at such speed. Um, I don't know if they can do anything with the track design to uh, reduce the likelihood of that happening. I, I think that it was also made worse by the, the weather conditions because you could see that the car actually slowed through the, the gravel trap as it's designed to do, but as soon as it got back on the grass, it, it picked up speed again. Mm. It's... Going to be interesting, uh, you can listen to Jason Bright on the White Flag Lap this week because we I talked to him about track safety and uh, he had some very, very interesting comments on what he thinks 
uh, needs to be done uh, with tracks around Australia. He didn't talk about tracks, any particular points in tracks per se, but talked about the whole overall view of it and driver input into it, which always is uh, a contentious issue when you're talking uh, to uh, uh, officials in VAT supercars and officials in CAMS on how much driver input should be allowed. But uh, also there was a second incident on Sunday before we start talking about race winners and such uh, where we saw Lee Holsworth's wheel leave the car and uh, get up into fortunately what was a reasonably uh, sparsely populated area. And Peter, that's always a, a horrible thing in motor racing when parts start getting into the uh, well, get, parts start getting into the crowd or getting away from the car. You're right, Craig. Uh, race fans love to see action on the track, but as soon as uh, any of the race fans or officials uh, are put at risk, uh, it's, uh, you know, that's just not what, what any of it's about. Um, I've not heard any reports as to why they think that wheel came off that car, and I, I think that uh, that needs to be taken seriously. We know in uh, you know, big collisions, parts do get ripped off cars, and uh, you know, there's not a, a lot you can do about that. Um, although, the, 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 you know, in open wheeler racing, of course, there are tethers and other things that they uh, put on the cars to make sure things don't break off. But for, for that uh, Erebus car, um, why did the wheel come off? And it needs to be taken seriously because we saw what uh, can potentially happen there. Well, Lee Tom said that the spindle just snapped, and that's that's so hard to uh, to do anything about a mechanical failure of that nature. I I think it, it comes down to one of those rare freakish accidents where um, it's really hard to even uh, predict how these things happen. Whether it was just uh, the metal weakened over time, or I don't think there was anything really that could have been done to prevent it. Um, sometimes these these rare things just happen. Mm, it, it was a a shocking incident, guys. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Plenty more when we return. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel joined by Tom Wordsley and Peter Norton. And, uh, well, Tom, on the track, Garth Tander got himself a win on Saturday and uh, he, uh, well, he he got the break in the last corner of the last lap of the first half and he just made the most of it in the second half, driving away to what was a very, very impressive issue. Yeah, as he said in the uh, the media conference afterwards, after uh, Craig Lowndes and Mark Winterbottom came together in front of him, it was smooth sailing in the second half. And uh, he actually said it was quite a little bit boring for me, and that's why I like race wins. What did you think of uh, Garth's win, Peter? What a roller coaster for the Holden Racing team. Uh, a win and that uh, very nasty crash that we mentioned. So... Uh, uh, 
depending on which side of the HRT garage you were working on, uh, you're, you're celebrating or you're thinking about the, the amount of work you've got to do over the, the, the next two weeks, I guess. Um, yeah, it's a team that, uh, when things go right, uh, can pull off um, you know, big, uh, big wins. And I think it, uh, it's about building the foundation for next year. Uh, they've had so many ups and downs throughout this year, uh, you know, and question marks even about their future and, and their commitment to, uh, to the series. Um, and I think they've removed all of those question marks through some of their acquisitions over the last couple of months uh, in terms of key personnel. And uh, the, the speed on the track on the weekend uh, further cements what they're uh, on about. Mm. It's it's also uh, interesting to see that HRT seem to be on an upward trend. They've got uh, well, Walkinshaw Performance have got Tim Slade coming to the team next year, and at the same time, FPR who are up there with Frosty still in a championship fight, but they've got a whole host of people leaving that team. Tom. Yeah. It's, um... It seems to go through phases up and down pit lane where uh, uh, Dick Johnson had a, uh, sorry, Dick Johnson Racing had a rather significant change in personnel and that came around the same time as they were quite competitive and uh, then the next wave came and, and HRT, which has been a dominant team over the years, sort of went into this lull and uh, as you've said, they're coming out of it now. So uh, it, it's interesting the, the patterns that happen in uh, inverted supercars, and I'd, I'd love to sit down and sort of figure out where the triggers come from. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how the changes affect that team because uh, at the end of the weekend, Frosty still was able to get a podium, but unfortunately for him, it was behind the two Red Bull cars, Peter. Um, yes, uh Really, it was um, opportunities lost, really. Um, I think a, a lot of people are expecting a whole lot more there. But at the end of the weekend, Jamie Winkup regains the points battle, Pete, and he is in the catbird seat going into a treacherous track like the Homebush Circuit. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people were hoping that Frosty would have been much closer than he is. And, and yes, mathematically, uh, Bill Davison... Uh, is still in it, but uh, what what is the real probability of uh, Jamie Wincup not finishing uh, the, the, the different races in Sydney? Uh, they've got the consistency and everything, uh, so you would expect them to be there uh, definitely in, in the top ten or the top five, even if it's a bad day. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, Ford Performance Racing need to look back at Phillip Island and uh, work out how on earth they had a you know, pole position uh, in one race uh, and you know, qualifying in head of, ahead of, one of, of their main rivals and yet they've come out on the arse end of it all. Um, it really wasn't a good weekend. Tom, it was amazing that, James, uh, sorry, that uh, Jamie Winkup couldn't find any speed until the last race of the weekend. Is that a touch of conspiracy I hear in your voice, Craig? <laughs> well, I've, I've, I, I will ask the question of Roland, is there a financial advantage for Craig Lowndes winning the championship over Jamie Wincup. Um, I, I, I could only imagine commercially, yes, there would be, even though for the team, they're still the champion team and they're still going to have number one on the car. I'm not sure it's necessarily in the team's favour for, for Craig to win other than a fan point of view. Uh, 
uh, I, I like that the, the the conspiracy element there, but I think uh, if there was that um, that theory, it would have been a slightly different result in in the final race on Sunday when they were going out at Hammer and Tong. I, I think uh, Craig would have come out in front, and it would have been an even tighter. Uh, points difference heading into Sydney. Oh, uh, what I don't know in, in, in that equation is the contractual status of uh, Wing Cup versus Lowndes. Uh, I, I expect that Lowndes has his uh, contract sorted nice and early and his future with uh, Red Bull is for many years. What's Wing Cup up to? I, I can't recall how many years are left on his contract. They've got exactly the same uh, length of service, so I don't think that's an issue. But uh, interestingly... <laughs> Uh, there's Jamie's got some legal battles ahead too, Tom, with uh, Monster Energy Drinks and the ending of that contract and uh, how he and his previous management company are, are now having a, a bit of a discussion in the courts. I think that's it's an interesting battle. Um, from, from what I understand, the Wind Cup versus... Oh, sorry, Monster versus Wind Cup... Uh, debacle has been sorted out but it's now a uh, win cup versus international quarterback which is uh, as you pointed out his former management company and uh, it's uh, I'm, you know you have to wonder about it how do you uh, how do you predict that an arrival sponsor is going to come in and, and override a, a personal sponsor it's uh, I don't think crystal ball gazers are that good. And, and my expectation is that the former manager wants their commission on the payout because they would have had a commission on the the monthly uh, sponsorship payments if it had have continued. Mm. I, and I, I, I think the other element for Wincup is he's... Uh, I'm not sure who initiated the... Uh, dispute but he's after compensation for the loss of income plus the legal fees and I mean it sounds messy regardless it is going to be a messy one but is it going to play on his mind going into Sydney Peter Uh, we've seen in the past where he's quite capable of quarantining some of those distractions Um, yeah when he puts his helmet on uh, yeah I I think he's uh, quite a mature driver and he's quite disciplined uh, when he gets in the car I don't expect that to be a problem. What about you Tom do you think he can keep himself devoid of all the outgoing uh, other issues? I don't think something that's happening in the courts is going to affect him if if anything's going to get to his head it's going to be the man next to him in uh, in the garage and, and also Frosty I um, Winkups, uh, sorry, Winchbottom's going to be going into Homebush with a I've got nothing to lose attitude and uh, I think that might be playing on on both drivers at Red Bull's mind. Mm. It's certainly going to be an interesting battle when we get to Sydney. Uh, guys, what was interesting was the speed of Jason Bright and also Fabian Coulthard, uh, both getting front rows starts and uh, unfortunately not making the most of them either of them, Tom? Uh, it seems like Jason can't take a trick at the moment. Uh, you know, 
he had a tyre issue and, and then uh, just got a very poor start, got swamped on the line and uh, I'm sure he can piece together a weekend. It's just uh, at the moment it's in dribs and drabs. Peter, Jason's tyre issue wasn't the only thing that was a problem, wasn't the only tyre issue on the weekend. There were a number of people blowing out tyres and and obviously V8 Supercars went to reassure everyone that the tyres weren't going to be a problem with the Percat test, yet there were a few issues that uh, probably had a few team managers scratching their head. Um, yes, that was on my mind as we saw continual uh, tyre problems, that the, the, the test and the, uh, the confidence um, didn't really convert into to racing conditions. And of course we know that uh, you know, different teams set up their cars differently, which may have put different loads on those tyres uh, compared to what they had in the test. And, of course, we see that at Bathurst, or, or in previous years we saw that at Bathurst, that uh, you know, people that uh, you know, went more aggressive in certain setups, they had tyre problems uh, and uh, you know, huge call about, oh, no, the tyres aren't up to Bathurst. Well, the actual fact uh, was the, the more aggressive setups that, uh, that took things past the, that magic line. But, but I have to make a comment about Jason Bright. Um, later on Sunday evening, he tweeted a, a comment about his... Uh, former uh, Formula Ford sparring partner having his final race in Formula One. Um, so I wonder if uh, back in their Formula Ford days, uh, both Mark Webber and Jason Bright learnt to do starts the same way, because uh, I think they're both notorious now for uh, flipping good opportunities. Oh, very harsh. I'll let the listener decide if it was fair. Guys, what do we get out of Phillip Island for 2013? Obviously, a better time of year to be going down there, Tom, when it's starting to warm up, rather than the uh, the spring or winter visits. Yeah, I, I missed the... Uh, I think it was May last year. I, I missed that visit, and even September two years ago was a little bit chilly. So uh, I think November's a good time of year. It, it seemed like there was a lot of weather variance, which, uh, which is good for spicing up the uh, the racing, but uh, it's Phillip Island. I, I think you're going to get that sort of weather regardless what time of year you go. Mm. And, of course, Peter, there was the uh, the big trip down with all the Nissan Altimas and the media, and, of course, now, as Todd Kelly puts it, he can drive his Altima at the racetrack and then drive home in his Altima back to the... Uh, back to home on the uh, Sunday night? Yes, they're putting a lot of effort into the marketing and promotion of, of you know, Nissan road cars and, and the race team. And I, I really do hope it starts to pay off for them because they really do get an A for effort for everything that they're doing. Uh, but uh, some thoughts on Phillip Island. Um, I remember a number of years ago, Phillip Island was traditionally boring. Um, the cars were so reliant on aero that uh, people... You, you couldn't make a pass. To whoever got off the, whoever qualified well, and whoever got off the line, um, and then it was processional racing, and uh, a combination of the point in the championship and the uh, these cars of the future. Um, it was more aggressive and more exciting than I could have ever expected. So, uh, you know, Phillip Island is starting to create some magic. Well, definitely the the new race circuit was allowing a lot more two wide action, which 
always spices things up when drivers have the confidence to take an alternate line or even just to stick it on the outside and stay there. It, it definitely does help. It didn't pay off for everyone. <laughs> well, and uh, Shane Van Gisbergen hasn't got a, uh, a fan in the team principal at FPR either because he's still having a go at him. I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you have to love the uh, the digs at, at various moves and uh, I, particularly the the Lowndes and Winterbottom one has, has raised a few eyebrows and uh, unfortunately for um, Brad Jones Racing, they had one two on the grid the next day and it Everyone was wondering more about the uh, the Lounds and um, the Lounds Winterbottom stoush. Yeah. Guys, pleasure to catch up with you here on the V8 Insiders, and uh, look forward to seeing you both down there at Sydney. Oh, definitely looking forward to that, Craig. Mm. Yes, let's bring on the grand final. Plenty of biff. Let's see it. The White Flag Lap with Jason Bride is up next here on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. On the Monroe Shock Absorbers White Flag Lap, Jason Bright joins us on the line. And Jason, after 201 starts, do you even remember the first? Well, I certainly do remember it. I, you know, I was down at Tassie on a pretty wet day with Gary Rogers, so um, you know, it was actually a, a, probably one of my uh, the biggest moments early in my career because I you know, made a bigger impression that day than probably doing anything else I ever did in open wheelers. So it was, it was a pretty special day. What's it like to get to the milestone of 200? Uh, of course, I don't think it's been a, a continuous career because you jetted off to the States for a while too, didn't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, did, I went to America in 2000, so um, I sort of missed a year there and then came back and continued to wrap them up. But, uh, yeah, you know, it hasn't, hasn't been continuous, but you know, I've, uh, it's been... It's been uh, a good career. I've been really happy with uh, you know all the teams that I've driven for, and and uh, you know it's, it's been you know I'm still enjoying every day. With uh, what you've seen, people like Russell, Peter Brock, and those guys with the and and of course John Bow, the years that they've been able to race, do you still feel like you've got a good long career ahead of you? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the moment I'm, I'm you know, I feel like I'm as as I've been in a while, so you know I've had a, a better year this year than the last couple. So um, you know if that's anything to go by, I think that you know I'll still be out there for for a bit longer. Um, but you know you just you keep going as long as you're competitive and, and enjoying it, then I'll uh, I'll be out there. But you know if, if there comes a day where uh, you know I'm not enjoying it and, and or I'm not competitive, then you know I'll uh, I'll be pulling the pin. Has becoming a father changed the way you approach your racing? I mean, 
you know, I'll get a little bit less sleep on a race weekend, but that's about it. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really... I mean, I, I think it was a bit of an eye-opener at Le Mans this year uh, when, you know, Alan Simonson was killed. You know, that was that was a hell of an eye-opener when I had to go back to the motorhome and, and, uh, and you know, go and try and get some sleep with my son in the motorhome. So that was... Yeah, that certainly changed things quite a bit. Um, you know, I haven't haven't had that situation before, and um, you know, particularly when you've got a, a young family now. For what we see in V8 Supercar Racing, the James Courtney crash on Saturday, uh, obviously that must give you a lot more confidence about the new generation cars and 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 really how much the uh, V8 Supercars have changed in those 200 starts. When you think about how attitudes have changed over the years, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Because when Mark Larkham came into the sport, of course, he had that open-wheel background like yourself, and he started doing things like that, putting the driver further in the centre, getting him away from the door, and he was roundly criticised for, for doing that. Now, it's slaughtered. Yeah, well, it's the, it's the rules these days, you know. It's um, like, yeah, Larko certainly started that off. You know, Erebus have got their e-cell that they've developed and you know that looks like a, another step forward again um you know, like i said we just need to keep on keep on improving you know and, and learning from from the damage that was done to james's car on the weekend have a look at what can be done you know better again so you know i, I think that it was you know certainly a credit that uh, you know that he was able to walk away but you know i think that more can be done you know more can be done with every aspect though. i mean Track safety um, is still a very big one on my agenda that, that I think that, you know, we can do a lot more. It's always interesting when we do get onto points of safety because it turns to, turns to saying do drivers need to have more involvement and that argument over the years and particularly the years you've been in the sport has ebbed and flowed. Where are you sitting at at the moment? Do you feel there's a need for a, a, a representative body of drivers to be involved? I do. I, I firmly believe that. You know, we, um, you know, we live it and breathe it every day, and, and uh, you know, I've been around long enough to see a lot of the different accidents, and and uh, you know, all the circuits that we go to, I think that there's areas that can be improved, and you know, it's a matter of you know, just chipping away at those things and, and reducing that level of risk. You know, we we walk the circuit before each race meeting. Um, you know, we know the circuit inside out, and you know, when we're going around at speed you've got a pretty good feel for, for what can go wrong. So, you know, there's, there's certainly, um, you know, some, some areas that I, I think can be improved. And, you know, who knows, I, I, I certainly like to see drivers more involved. And I think that, you know, that might happen sooner, sooner rather than later. It's always come down to you haven't had a critical mass of drivers getting involved. Do you feel like with the changing of the guard that we're going through, 
the drivers are having a slightly different view of the world? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think so. I, you know, I, I think that um, you know, when, it's, when we've tried to sort of get it off the ground before and have a bit more of a say, you know, I think it was probably handled a little bit differently and, and uh, you know, the people that were in control of the eight supercars at the time felt threatened by that. Um, but you know, I think that, that the sport's changed a lot, and you know, when you see crashes like James's um, on the weekend, you know, there's no doubt that we need to still do more and, and continue to improve because you know, it's circumstances like that when when uh, you know it's unforeseeable that, that the worst accidents happen. For the other side of it, we've got the cars, the tracks, the support facilities now. Are a second to none, though, and that's one great thing about the response. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think that that that's definitely improved. Um, you know, out of sight, like you know, back 15 years ago when I 16 years ago when I started racing in BH, there was uh, you know it was it was very uh, there was very little support in that area. So you know, we're, we've got a, a medical team to follow us around now. Um, but you know, like once again, I'm sure that. Given the budget, they could probably do a little bit more as well. So, you know, we just need to keep on looking at, at, uh, at ways to improve every aspect of the of, of our you know, safety. Just uh, changing from safety now to formats, and it looked like next year was going to be very simple for the fans, and then they decided to uh, change Clipsal. What's your take on that? Uh, I mean, it's a bit of a hard one. I mean, I... I don't like sort of messing with something that's that's so been so successful. Um, you know, it's, it's same as when you know we've moved the Sandown 500 to, to other circuits. You know, it sort of just doesn't feel right. But you know, I, I'm interested to give it a go. You know, the, the 60-60 formats haven't really worked this year, but you know, there's reasons I can certainly see why it's a good thing. Um, you know, trying to attract new fans to our sport, getting on a pro, on on prime time Saturday night, uh, you know, maybe may make a big difference, and that that's a good enough reason. You know, our our sponsors, you know, it's great for all of our sponsors, and they're the ones that are, are paying the bills. So, you know, we've got to we've got to make sure that we're we're you know, making decisions that look after them and and uh, you know put them in front of the masses. For your team at uh, Brad Jones Racing, what's been What's been, do you think, the biggest, the biggest thing? Is it the fact that everyone's got a new car at the same time, or is it just that you guys have been able to put together a crew that's got stability and they now are really starting to kick some goals? I think the biggest thing is that we've got the same equipment as everyone now. You know, there was no doubt that the, the Triple Eight stuff was the equipment to have the last couple of years, and and you know we were. We were in the minority of teams, you know, that, that weren't running Triple Eight stuff, and and uh, we, were, we were able to go about Car of the Future very carefully and pick and choose which teams we bought stuff from. And um, you know, I think we've done a good job of that. I think that we've, uh, you know, we've got um, you know all the, all of the right components in the car, and, and that that's probably been the biggest difference. Um, there's no doubt the people that we've got are good, and you know, I think that. That uh, our stability is, uh, you know, is, is is a big key. You know, that, and that's a big key going into next year. Um, you know, same drivers, same engineers is, 
uh, you know, is what you want. And um, you know, I think that, that you know, we'll, going into next year, we'll, we'll still be one of the most stable teams out there. Is the case of the longer the new generation car runs, the more we're going to get back to what we saw last year with only four cars winning? Um, it's hard to know. I mean, definitely earlier in the year there was a, a little bit more variety, that's for sure. Um, you know, I hope, uh, certainly hope it's not four cars winning, um, unless we're one of the four. Um, but, you know, I think that we're, we're still much closer than what we were last year. I think GRM are much closer than what they were last year. Um, you know, Triple Eight and FBR were pretty strong at, uh, at Silver Island on the weekend, but, you know, they're, they're also, you know, two of the best teams and they've got good drivers and, and uh, you know, they're battling for a championship at the moment. So, you know, they're throwing everything at it. Um, whether, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know. Like, you know, I think that it's certainly a better situation to have everyone with the same equipment, um, but we need, just need to keep chipping away at that as well and make sure that, that if there are areas where teams with bigger funds can go and spend money and, and develop a car faster, then we need to control that and uh, make sure that you know the, the cost of being competitive is is still lower. Mm. Well, Jason, heading off to Sydney, what's your take on the championship fight where you got the two Red Bull cars and, of course, uh, Frosty that are still in the hunt? Yeah, I mean, I, I, personally, I think it'll you know it's going to come down to the two Triple Eight guys. You know, I think Frosty's just that little bit far off. You know, both Craig and Jamie would have to have a, a shocker. Um, you know, to to sort of to let Frosty ride in there. Um, you know, more than likely, both you know, either one of them will be able to, um, you know, at least get a couple of top sevens or something, and and uh, and secure the championship. But you know, I think it's going to be a great battle. I think that, that it's still probably um, you know one of the closest championships that there's ever been. Um, you know, and you know, looking forward to seeing it unfold. Mm. I had a pretty good view of it on. Uh, on Sunday, I can guarantee you. Yeah, and uh, of course, with the way the cars have all been shaping up this year, it should be a fairly even race, considering that uh, <laughs> the track's almost impossible to make a pass on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, 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 but it's also a race that um, stuff happens. <laughs> it, it just it throws curveballs at you, and and um, you know, there's lots of different ways to to work the strategy there. Um, due to the, the two fuel stops and it's just, it's just a, a great race for, for uh, you know, just things happen and get mixed up and there's a lot of unexpected things going on there. So, you know, it's, it's shaping up to be a, a pretty exciting weekend. My thanks to Jason Bright there, also to Peter Norton and to Tom Wordsley. As the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.